Yes, we'll move to it. Cycling in the Chiefs Cup. You don't do it. <laughs> well, welcome to the first Tuesday ta at the table of the year 2022. Uh, Welcome everybody out there in video land. Welcome everybody here in the house. Um, we're going to get into God's word tonight and feast on his word because that's why it's called Tuesday at Table. But we're going to start out, open up with prayer, and then we're going to delve into his word. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, right now we just come before you. We just thank you. We lift you up. We ask you right now to open our eyes, ears, and hearts to what you want us to hear, what you want us to Take in. Lord, speak through your word. Use your Holy Spirit to speak to each and every one of us. Lord, push me out of the way. Let me just be a vessel for you to speak through. Let your word come forth alive and vibrant, Lord, because we know it is. Because the word is, our, is your son, Jesus, and we thank you for it. We thank you for his, through him we are allowed to come before you through our salvation, Lord, and we thank you. Lord, we lift you up at this time. Let you be exalted at this time. In Jesus' name. And everybody said in here, amen, amen. Uh, <clears throat> I think it was about the first week of December, last time I taught. Um, we started on the first message of the Bible, which was chapter 1. I talked on, uh, we just got through verse 1 and 2. We were talking about the very beginning of the very first thing that was, and that's why I'm kind of going over this, the very first message of the Bible. And the first thing is it teaches us God's sovereignty. God is sovereign over everything created. And it says that in Scripture. It says in the beginning, God created all the heavens and earth. It doesn't say that he had help from uh, 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 giant construction companies or you know, he didn't need the leading scientists or he didn't need any. God created the heavens and earth. God created. He is sovereign. He is the sovereign creator. Uh, we talked about the story of how uh, Sir Isaac Newton had a friend and his friend came in and saw Sir Isaac Newton had made this nice model of the universe. I was going around the sun, and he was like, you did such a great job. How You did, this is, he, and Sir Isaac Newton said, I didn't do that. 
Sir Isaac Newton, knowing to be a Christian, knowing his friend to be uh, a little bit on the agnostic side, he, that's why he said that. And he looked at him, he says, no, that just appeared here in my, in my house, over here in the corner. These, these uh, model planets just showed up, and these gears and these wires and everything, it just came together in such perfect harmony. It was just went from nothing into perfectness. And the guy looked at him and says, I understand what you're saying. A lot of people don't understand this couldn't have been just a big boom. I do believe in the big boom. It said God said, and so it was. And boom, guess what? The creation was created. There was. But when you look at everything, we also talked about how even when um, Einstein came up with the theory of relativity, he put a variable in there to take God out. Because he knew he was proving the relativity that he was proving of the whole universe in this theory. It had to have a certain one catalyst that made everything happen. That means one sovereign thing had to start everything. And he knew it was pointing toward God. He was an atheist and he didn't want this. So he put this variable in there. Well, along comes in, you know, a lot of us are, I was like, okay, that was a crazy haired guy from a long time ago who came up with this scientific thing. Well, now I know about the guy who sits in a wheelchair and, you know, one of the smartest guys of probably our lifetime, and, and that's uh, Stephen Hawkins. And then when he sat there and made his theory, which added onto the theory of relativity, he basically said, and he said, this variable, there should be no variable because there had to have been one thing that started it all. And it wasn't just a bang. There was a driving force that created everything. God. It's told in a simple story in the very first, first sentence of the book. In the beginning, God created. We talked about his sovereignty and in, in how, how in everything he, it was him. And in verse 2 it says, And the earth was formless and empty and dark and was on the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the surface of the water. I want us to understand in the very beginning when God started this, this work, Yes, he said that in the beginning God created, but in the beginning, when he first started it, it wasn't instantly, boom, it was there. It's described, and we're fixing to go over it, the seven days, or the six days, and the seventh day with rest. And in my Bible, I have an NLT study Bible. There's a graph, and I wish I took a picture of it. And there, there, There's this graph in the very top line, which signifies... Verse 1 and 2, it says, formless, chaos, and empty. Because that's what it was. Now, I can tell you, I was just sitting here, pastor, me and him spoke. We talked about deer hunting, and he went about, and he went out there. I saw him eating a piece of catfish, and I smelled the catfish. And I'm like, but I'm sitting here, and I'm, reading, I'm looking at that. And I love when God gives you nuggets, because I never thought of it this way. This is good, folks, because this is another thing. It's another nugget. You, I forgot what the nugget was. Oh, about the sun. Well, he gave me another one. When he starts working on you, how are you? You are what? You are formless. There's chaos in your life, and you're empty. 
When he first takes a hold of you and you, he, you, you say, God, I surrender, and you become a Christian, and he, and all the way up to then, you are actually walking around formless, empty, and your life is a chaos. I don't care who you are. And when you surrender to him and you start allowing him to start taking control, things start changing. Because we all know the story, and we're going to go over it again, but at the end what it said was everything was formed perfectly. There was now a co- instead of chaos, there was a cosmos. And instead of being empty, it was filled. That is us when we surrender and we say, God, please, I accept you. I understand Jesus died. I'm a sinner. I am no... And guess what? He starts working. You know, I gave that message that one Sunday about he's still working on me. He is. Just like he worked on the earth, he's still working on us. This is the same thing with us in the Christian world because we are jacked up, messed up. We ain't. Not, we can be, we're just saved. We don't know nothing. Our lives are messed up. We don't know what's going on. And he has to start molding us. And start shaping us, just like he did the earth. He said, "Let there be," and stuff started happening. But it wasn't place. He, if we were, when we read, and I'm jumping ahead, he's going to start putting all his creation in place. He doesn't doesn't go, whew. No, he starts forming. It says he formed. That means he took his hands and he started doing this. He does the same thing in our own lives. He starts forming us into what. He seen in us before what? We were even born. Before we were even created. God has a plan for us. And he's just waiting. Just like in verse 2, he is what? He is hovering above this chaos, this formless void of nothingness. Just like he's waiting for us. And when we surrender, that's when he moves in and makes us the creation he wants, just as he made the earth and the cosmos and the stars and the sun and all that. He starts building us into the creation he knows we should be. He knew what was going to happen, but when it first happened, it was nothing but voidness. It was not filled. It was chaos. There was nothing around. Same thing as our life. Think about it. He dropped that in me. <laughs> I start looking at that and I'm like, hmm, that's what I was like when I was lost. Wait a minute. And then he starts working. And then at the end, what is it? He forms me. Cosmos, the cosmos, the whole solar system. If one tittle was out of place, guess what? There'd be planets slamming into planets, stars shooting into other things and that and that. We'd be tilted at the wrong axis. We'd either freeze or burn up. And if we got off just a little bit, and I forget which planet it is, if it wasn't guarding us, we would get burned up also. I'm not an astronomer. But if the sun wasn't at a certain angle, we weren't at a... It's perfect. He When he works on you, he puts you in that same position. And that's what we were talking about in about the first message. This is the beginning of God showing his sovereignty over his creation. And that is because of him. It is because of him. And then now we're going to talk about exactly what went on. And we're going to talk about the first day. We're going to first talk about the first day. 
It says God's, God's work on the first day. That's Genesis 1, 3 through 5. If you got your Bibles, I'll give you a second. That other nugget I was talking about was like, uh, and pastor, pastor like, man, y'all was really going with that. And he, I was like, he just dropped it on me. <laughs> it's nothing. It's not me. But the other nugget was talking about how the sun and how the earth revolves perfectly around it. Well, guess what? That's just like his son, his son. And we're like the earth. And if we're in perfect alignment, we're warmed. We're not too hot. We're not too cold. We're perfectly going around him. We're not in chaos. We're not zooming out. We're not getting blasted by the moon and everything else. But we keep going. Yes, there's hazards out there. There's things. There's asteroids and stuff. But God's going to keep his hand. And he's developed a system of us to circle around the S-O-N just like how the earth is supposed to circle around the S-U-N. So the creation story is the same thing even when we look at our own lives as being Christians. And again, let's go into Genesis 1, 3 through 5. And it says, And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And God saw the light, and then it was good. And God divided the light from the darkness, and God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and then there was morning, the first day. Okay, one of the first things is God says, let there be light. One of the most important things, I think I've been hearing that a lot lately, about the light being the light, even what I was talking about a few minutes ago. The sun being the light source for us is just like the S-O-N is our light source as Christians. And the first thing he created was the light. The first thing he created was a way for us to see. The first thing he did was he divided light from darkness. Oops. There's a division in the, in the spiritual realm also between light and darkness. We need to choose to walk in the light. When I was a children's pastor, one of the one of the most most fun. I'm sorry, I'm not the greatest linguist in the world. The most enjoyable sermons I, I, or studies I ever did with the children, it was called cockroaches. And the question was, are you a cockroach, or are you a moth? When you turn the light on. What goes running? The cockroach. Nasty. (laughs) You must have some strong cockroaches. You probably ain't got none, (laughs) knowing that lady right there. But what happens when you turn the light on and a cockroach is in the middle of whatever? It's going to find the darkness again. When you turn the light on, what happens? All of a sudden, out of nowhere, what shows up at the light? The moth. It was a simple example. But it's funny, one of the first things he creates is light to separate from the darkness. Even though in here it was a way to tell a day, it was a way to, look, we're going to have 12 hours. Let's let's just say, I'm not going to get into all the longest days, you know, December 21st or June 21st, the solstice stuff. No, let's just say 12 hours of light, 12 hours of darkness. He gave us darkness, one, for us to rest, for us to, to uh, go in. But you, you still, it's funny, we still what? When you walk in your house when it's dark, you, you seek out the what? 
light. You don't want to be in the darkness unless you go into sleep. Or you're watching a good movie or something on TV. And it's just something about turning the TV on, turning all the lights out, turning the surround sound system on, let the whole house boom. Especially when it's Top Gun. I'm sorry, you Air Force folks. <laughs> but the whole thing is we want, always, we seek out the light. Ever since I started wearing these in the last five years, light is a valuable commodity for me. I can work now. I carry flash. I got like three different pin lights. I keep, I keep one in my pocket. I keep one in my tool bag. I keep one in my tool box. Usually there's one somewhere else, and I'm always turning these things on because for some reason, unless I got good light, Rick can't see no more. Light is important. That's one of the first things God reaches out and does for us because he does want to separate light from darkness. It's the same thing. The first thing he does when he gets a hold of you, when you surrender to him, he wants to say, he puts that light in there to separate you from darkness. It's one of the first steps. Yes, he cleanses you. He covers you in the blood of the lamb. But what he does is he puts that light in your life. So darkness does not prevail. I can tell you, it's real simple to slip into darkness out of the light. We've had this discussion here before. By show of hands, I know y'all out there, y'all can't see this, but I want the term backslidden. Does that, is that a sin? Is backslidden a sin? Think about it. Just think. I mean, honestly, you know, Pastor Kevin taught, had a great message about strongholds and about things that we were taught. I want you to get this about backslide. I really wish I could do this and we had the environment because I could really do it over there. Imagine if I stood at that doorway. See how dark it is over there? Okay. And here's the light. And I decide I'm just going to start moving away from the light. I'm not doing anything wrong because in your walk, you're either doing one thing. You're going forward because this is a race. But unfortunately, when you decide you're going to put it in neutral for a while, the race leaves you and you start going backwards. You start going back into what? What are you leaving? The light. It leads you where? Back into the darkness. What do you find? The backsliding is not the sin. The backsliding can lead you back into sin. Because in the darkness is that sin. In that darkness, when you decide to stop your walk, when you decide to, uh, hey, I'm going to throw it in neutral for a while. Being honest with you, y'all heard me that Sunday morning. Licensed bishop, two churches, and I set it aside. I had a lot of stuff on my plate. I had a lot of stuff on my shoulders, a lot of stuff on my mind. I had a lot. And I said, I, Lord, I need to just put it in neutral. I put it in neutral for three years, and I got farther and farther away. It gets dark. Now, 
me doing that, no, I didn't give up on God. Did I give up on my love of God? No. Did I give up on Jesus? No, I believe in Jesus. I believed in Jesus. I know he's my Savior. I know that I'm nothing without him, that without him I cannot be saved. I didn't give up, but I felt myself pulling far, going farther. I wasn't running away. I wasn't being the prodigal son. I didn't turn my back and say, God, I don't need you no more. I'm just going to take care of myself. At many times I was praying, going, God, I don't know why, but I just can't, I didn't feel worthy enough to be before him. And I kept finding myself going back and I could see things. I had old music hitting me. Talk to the musician here. I had my old music ways hitting me. I had all sorts of stuff start creeping back into my life. And eventually, thank the Lord for Bill and Donna Barton getting my tail here through my wife and me realizing, you need to get back out of the dark. Now, me being in the darkness, was that a sin? Was the backsliding, me moving away from God and me just naturally not running after him, was that the sin? No, but it was leading me towards sin because I was no longer in the light and I did not have the light to reveal. I had nothing but darkness around me and the only thing I could do is go by feel. And when you go by feel, when you go by your flesh, that's another one he just dropped in me. When you're in the dark, how do you do it? You go by... Hey, you go by feel. That's flesh. If you go by flesh, where do you usually end up? In the wrong place. Another nugget there, Pastor. Write it now. <laughs> he's, he's good tonight. Amen? But that's what we need to understand about backsliding. Backsliding is not the sin. Backsliding is a brother and sister that we need to run after, bringing the light with us, grabbing them up, putting our arms around them, not sitting there going, you know better, but going, I love you, putting your arm around them, drag them back in the light. I'm getting messy here. Because it would have helped me three years ago. I'm just going to lay it out there. I had pastors and fellow pastors and guys I went through training with. Oh, just get back on the horse. Rick needed an arm around him. Rick needed an I love you. Come on. Rick found what he needed here. Didn't ask questions. Y'all didn't do nothing. Y'all just put your arms around me. And Sister Vanessa loved on us. And next thing you know, I'm... And in a way, it wasn't, you didn't need to get in my mess. You didn't, I didn't want you in my mess. I didn't want to reveal my mess. I didn't have to reveal my mess. Only thing y'all want to do is love me with the love of Christ. And Christ's love just broke everything back down. That depression went, yes, I do still fight. All of that. Because I was operating in the dark, in the flesh, and hadn't been operating in the light. And y'all, y'all did the lighthouse thing. Boom. And y'all, it didn't sweep around. It just shone from this house on our lives. And that's why I think it's so important. The very first thing he does is he creates the light. And the most important thing in our lives is the light, which is Jesus Christ. And then Jesus is now at the right hand of the Father. And what is the signification of the Holy Spirit? Fire. What does fire do? Fire puts off what? Light. Fire burns within us. Oh, he's good tonight because ain't nothing there. But the light is so important. Number one thing. The number one thing he creates. 
He separates light and darkness. Amen? Now, back to the backsliding thing. I just wanted you all to get a kind of understanding. It's, it's a person slipping. It's a brother and sister in Christ that is slipping out of the light. We have to be on point. And when we see it, remember, we're not Pharisees. We're not Sadducees. We don't sit on a throne. We're out there humbled and on our knees just like everyone else is. What we need to do is put our arms around some folks. You know some folks that ain't been in church. Understand this. Let me give you a pointer of this. This was a thing it, it, even as a pastor. You don't bug them till you get them in church. You let them know you love them. And guess what? God will make a way. You're going to run into them because the quickest way you want to drive a wedge. Why ain't you? In? We sure do. I can tell you. You want to know the number one thing? I am, I was a pastor, and the number one thing that irked me, because after I left my church and where I'd been on staff, only thing I kept hearing was, when you coming back, when you coming back, when you, when you, we sure have missed you, why ain't you in church, why ain't y'all been here, where y'all been, what you do, and it was like, boom, 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 not one time was it, we've missed you, but I want you to know I love you. That's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to pray for them. I guess I'm getting messy tonight or whatever, but I'll tell you what we need to do. There's those, I'm not, I'm a newbie in here. Let me use a military term. I'm a newbie here at Destiny. Me and Sister Vanessa officially have been here almost two years, but we haven't been really active but a little over a year. And COVID was in there, and a lot of the people that, when we first started coming here, when there was two services, and I believe there is, the Lord does do some things, and, you know, people go, uh, but there's those out there that ain't gone somewhere else. When was the last time you prayed for them? Yes, I'm going to get messy tonight. When was the last time you shed a little light toward them in prayer? You don't know how convicting you can be with your prayers. No heaping of the coals. <laughs> no heaping. That's a joke I, we used to play. I ain't, I, I'll pray. I'm going to heap some coals. No. No. What you do is pray. And your prayers with fervent prayer, another thing I've taught on, will activate the Holy Spirit within you, and the Holy Spirit gets activated with you. It's the same Holy Spirit that's in them, and if they're still not totally lost and given up and everything, those prayers will start, that fire within them still, even though it may be just what? A little ember. It may start getting fanned a little bit, and they're going. Next thing you know, they're turning on, on a Sunday, they're turning it on, and they haven't in a while. And all of a sudden, they're like watching Destiny again. And, you know, all of a sudden, some of the, you know, I don't know if you get a report and you can see everybody who's looked at it or whatever. But all of a sudden, you start maybe noticing some names you ain't seen in a while. They used to be pretty active members here. But all of a sudden, now they're starting to stream in here again. Well, guess what? Someone in here is praying. In other words, you're fanning the flame. If you're fanning the flame, you're making more light. 
And the more light that starts showing in their lives, the more they start coming out of the darkness. The more they start coming out of the darkness, the more they start feeling the love of Christ. And then they could say, well, maybe we need to go back. Let's go see what's going on back at our old home. And they walk in the door and they're met with people like you that's got this giant smile and this love about them. You don't shake your head. You have a giant smile. When people come that door, it is true. It ain't no fake. It is love. I told pastor this, and I've said it before. The first time we walked in this place, the reason we knew it was home was because of the love that was felt in this place. And it's felt every time we open, you come and open the door for Sister Vanessa. It's felt every time I look down and you're bringing her a bottle of water. It's love. You're not doing it. You're doing exactly. It's not beating it. You have not shared scripture with Vanessa one time, but you've loved on her. That's what is supposed to happen. That's what we're supposed to do when we see people that ain't come in in a while. Don't beat them with the scripture. Do you want to run somebody right back out the door real quick? Love on them like Jesus did. The only people that Jesus beat upside the head with scripture was one, the devil. And the second was, a, was the learned, the Sadducees and Pharisees. I would count that as if I needed to be beat upside the head, someone needs to hit me with Scripture. Pastor would need to be hit up. Pastor Kevin would need to be hit upside the head with Scripture. People that have been, that's the time. Uh, any of the, uh, not the deacon board, but your elder board or whatever, those people are in a position, if something needs to be, that they know better. Let's put it, we know better. But when somebody comes in, you show them love and you show them the light of the world. You welcome them back into darkness. And guess what? Boom. They're here. They're here. And that's why it's so important that we have the light of the word. I mean, the light of Jesus showing forth into this dark world. And I'm sorry. I don't know how you can get much darker, but it's getting darker by the minute. And the only light pretty soon of any type of happiness and joy, true happiness and joy, is going to be those of us that walk around and call ourselves Christians. This world is getting darker and darker. And I'm sorry, I've read at the end of the book. It's going to be. It's going to get nasty, folk. We think we can turn prayer. No, what we need to do is pray for the body. Let's, let's increase the body and let's do that. We're not going to turn nations. We're not going to turn uh, 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 political parties. We're going to turn people to Christ. Amen? The revival is going to be people. It's not going to be legislature. It's not going to be any of the political stuff. Yes, I love this country, but guess what? I'd rather turn a senator to Christ than turn the whole Senate to be good. Amen? And that's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to be the light. We're supposed to be the light. Bringing people back in here. When people first come in. We've had some visitors. I, I, you know, I used to watch from up here. I watch from back there. You get a good vantage point. I've seen a lot of visitors lately sticking. You can't tell me. I know what it is. It's people like you starting at the very front door. It's people that are going around and shaking their hands. Tommy coming in later. She's going to find somebody there. Uh, you're meeting them. Everybody's coming. In. And I don't know what it is about people who first visit, but I guess that's the first visit section right there. I guess it's because it's closer to the door, 
But they always seem to be in that section in the last four rows and all the way across. And it just seems like they're always there. But guess what? I, I take pride in calling this my home. You know why? Because I see people gravitating, loving, not going, hey, fill this out. You know, hey, fill the card out and let's just leave it that. Boom. Hey, fill this out. What do you do? Do, 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 do? No. Hey, we love you. We're glad you're here. Do you need anything? Do it. And you're loving on them. And it's true love. It's not fake. Because if it's fake, nobody would be sticking. I wouldn't have stuck. But your light is real. And that light shines. And that's why it's so important. We need to let our light shine. Quit putting it under a basket. And I think that's why it was so important that day one, he created the light. And he separated light from darkness. He separated, basically, from the beginning, he separated the truth from sin. Amen? Let's go into day two. I didn't, I probably added a whole sermon to that. And I only had two paragraphs talking about that. I don't know why he took me there. I, I like to go down a rabbit hole every once in a while. Day two, God's work on day two, Genesis 1, 6 through 8. I should just be able to jump down to it real quick. And it says, and God said, let there be an expanse between the waters and let it divide the waters from, divide the waters, from the waters. So God made the expanse and divided the waters which were under the expanse from the waters which were above the expanse. And it was so. And God called the expanse heaven. And there was in that evening, there was a a morning and a second day. Understand that you have to create land and you have to create an, an atmosphere and there had to be a separation. And God created this. You got to understand also there has to be a water cycle for life to even be. The waters had to be divided. We had to have fresh water. We had to have salt water. We had all of this where there was a need for it. He understood it. On the second day, he gave us what? Okay. He's dropping stuff like crazy, and I love it. He just dropped this. The first day, what? He gave us the light, and he gave us the separation of light and darkness or, you know, uh, the truth from sin. The second, the second thing. You have to have that land, that, 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 that area that feeds. And what is that? The Word. Ooh. Yeah, it's not meat, but guess what? It will quench us. What did he say to the woman at the well? He said, I have living water. And those that drink this, hey, y'all can drink from Jacob's well all day long. See, I get off into Alabama talk. You know, I, I, I bring Jesus to eclectic. You know, y'all can have, you know, this way all day long. Y'all can pull buckets up all day. I do not care. You're going to get thirsty again. The older I get, the more thirsty I get every time I wake up at night. It happens all the time. But he looks at her and says, I got a living water that's going to come flowing from me. Once you receive my light, you're going to receive my living water. And when you receive this living water, you ain't going to thirst again. And through him, what does it say in John 1? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. In other words, what is Jesus? Jesus is the Word. 
He gives us our foundation, what we stand on. He, he gives us this. Second day, he, he opens up. Yeah, I can give you light, and I'll show you the darkness. But behind that, let me show you on day two. I'm going to give you what you need to stand on and what you're going to be quenched with, and that is Jesus. That is the foundation. That is everything. It's the living water. I'm going to separate. You're going to see there's a, you're going to receive that living water and you're going to stand on his word. He created this. I'll tell you, we ain't all Noah. This ain't Aquaman. If he would have left this earth just covered in water, we would have had to grow gills or swim real good. And I know you Marines can't swim very good. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, Air Force just flaps their arms and I just, I have to go there, folks. I'm sorry. But uh, we got to understand God did this stuff for us because one, he knew we weren't going to survive on the water. I think he took out most of the earth with a flood, which he promises he'll never do again. Next time's going to be fire. But he took the whole earth out with flood because he knew man's not going to survive unless he got a big boat. You know, Noah's the first Navy. You know, AK-1, the ark. And he gets on there and he's carrying all them animals and everything. But everybody else gets wiped out. Because he knew man couldn't survive on the water. Not all of mankind. So he created land. He knows we can't survive alone, so what does he do? He creates a foundation to stand on, which the light shines down on. We stand on this foundation, but he still allows us to have the water, which quenches us, which that is his word. Jesus spoke of it. I love how this just all can tie together. I love how all of this just ties together. He doesn't do nothing. I mean, we even look at Abraham. When he tells Abraham to, to sacrifice Isaac, you should all know that was a foreshadowing. He was never going to ask Abraham to do anything he wasn't ready to do. Abraham was ready to sacrifice his son. And he found a man worthy enough, and he up to the point, he raised the knife above his head. He was ready to thrust it into his son. And he stopped him. But some 3,500 years later, almost 3,000, between 3,000 and 3,500 years later, what did he do? He allowed his son, but he didn't stop it because he knew what had to happen. If you could tie, so many people don't like looking into the Old Testament. Look at it. Look at it and try to see correlations. Let God speak to you. If you notice, most of my prayer at the beginning of this is God reveal. God open our eyes, open our ears, open our hearts. Don't let my scholarly mind, which is about not much past 12th grade, take over. Because you're going to get it like how my speech was a few seconds ago. If you do, 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 do that. <laughs> Type of stuff. Let him speak to us. He, he's doing a great job tonight. But on day two, he forms 
the expanse. On day three, verses nine through 13, it says, And God said, Let the waters under the heaven gather together into one place and let the dry land appear. And it was so, and God called dry land earth and gathered the waters he called seas. And God saw that it was good. And God said, Let the earth produce vegetation, seed-bearing plants, trees, earth, and bear fruit with seeds in it according to the various kinds. And it was so. So the earth, er, er, the earth, the earth produced vegetation, plants bearing seeds according to their kind, and trees bearing fruit with seeds in according to their kind. And God saw it was good, and there was evening and their morning a third day. I jumped ahead a little bit about the earth, but understand when he did that, he started putting life. If you remember back to your high school days and common biology and life science or life science class, you start remembering photosynthesis and you talk about, you know, we all look at acorns as deer hunters and stuff, but no, that's life. And actually that's life because it will produce another oak, but it also make your squirrels fat or your deer fat. There's life in those seeds. God provided that. Long before he put anything air breathing, he provides all this vegetation. He provided a way to feed. He provided a way to sustain. He's provided a way to build up. He's provided a way for us to keep breathing air. Because it's something about that green leaf out there and that photosynthesis process where I can go and some tree somewhere is going to suck that in, help it get greener, and then all of a sudden it's going to produce more oxygen so I can go, wow, who would have thought if you were sitting on a throne somewhere and you were going to produce, would you make a tree the catalyst for oxygen? So whatever life you were going to put on this earth was going to be, no, you would make some machine over in the corner and make sure it kept running on. No, he produced a living machine, which is called a tree with a process called photosynthesis that provides us the ability to breathe in and breathe out. And then also in those trees, he produced a way for them to reproduce, but also in their reproduction was seed, which also can provide food and can feed us. It helps us breathe. It helps feed us. I'm sorry, one of the best trees ever created in my eyes, and thank you, Lord, was the pecan. There ain't many of those seeds that make it in the ground. Not in the south. Because we eat too many pecan pies and too many chocolate turtles and just some roasted pecans and everything else. But guess what? It is actually a nutrient for us. So is a cashew, so is an almond, so is everything else. Ooh, how about an olive? It don't even have to be a hard nut. No, it could be an olive. It could be an apple. Yeah, the thing that got us all in trouble. No. It could be a pear. Give me any of that stuff. What's inside of those? That fruit that surrounds what? The life, the seed. Yes, we don't eat. I don't know if y'all ever, probably most of you have bit into an apple seed. It's pretty what? Bitter. You want to eat that sweet fruit that's all around it. 
even though they have scientifically found that within the apple seed, there is a chain breaker of cancer. There's in, in I can't, what's the name of the poison? There's a poison. Uh, yeah, cyanide. There's, cyanide is naturally found in apple seeds. But it's not like you can eat it and die from it. But molecularly, it can go into your body, and guess what it does? It finds its way to cancer cells. It's, I ain't saying go out and buy you a bag of apples and start coring them and eating the cores. Okay, we're not horses. But they've, you know, scientists find things like that. It's funny, aspirin. Where did aspirin come from? Willow bark. A willow tree. We don't need everything chemically. God's created everything for us. We just do it. And then guess what? What? Both of these were created on what? The third day. All these trees, shrubs, you know, all these people, you know, the old timers, y'all ever heard of yellow root? People take yellow root tea and use it for, and guess what? It worked when you didn't have pharmacies and everything. People would boil stuff and you had different, guess God created this on day three. He knew we would need it. It wasn't just the photosynthesis process. It wasn't just in the reproduction. If you think how much God was thinking when he was doing all of this, and then when people go, he don't care about me, you're wrong. If he took the time to create a pecan, he could have just created one type of... He could have just put oaks all over the United, all over the world. Didn't have a pine, didn't have to, no, it was a combination of everything because he, a mind greater than all of ours put together knew it had to be and knew it had to happen. And sometimes it's mind-boggling when you think about all this stuff. Sometimes I wonder why he created kudzu. But guess what? People use it. It's used medicinally over in the Orient. We just were goofy and stopped to stop erosion, brought it over here in the 20s and 30s, and didn't realize it's going to get out of hand. But there's good in everything. There's good in everything. I, I got one thing I'm going to talk about a good in. Many of us always complain about here when we get into living things. But God, you get Day one, he's thinking it's, it's more than the sun and the moon. Day two, there's more than just separating the waters and the expanse and moving everything. Day three, it's more than the land and, and, and just, be, he has, you know, so many people will read this and they will go, oh, he created that, 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 and that. Think about why. One of my greatest things in Bible study when I tell people to do Bible study is one. Number one thing. Here's a little hint. Read one verse at a time. Don't say you're going to read it. If you're in true Bible study, don't go in there thinking, I'm going to read the first three chapters of... Uh, no. Go in there with a goal of at least making it through one verse. And if it doesn't feel like it sat with you or you ain't getting... Read it again. If, it's, if you feel something starting to stir, that means something, the Holy Spirit's ready to read it again. 
If your Bible study doesn't get past the verse one, the first verse of whatever you're reading, but God speaks to you through it, guess what? You had a great Bible study. People got this way of thinking this has gone with the wind. It's about as thick it looks like, but they think this is something, you know, they're reading Gone with the Wind, or let me think of another one, uh, 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 War and Peace, oh, that's the most boring book. Uh, let me think of some other things. Any book other than the Bible, huh? Yeah, Huckleberry Fair, Mark Twain, the writings of Mark Twain. It's not that. It is a living word that you need to speak in your life. I always thought, when the, and I have read the Bible through, understand that, but one of the requirements to even apply for ministry in, in the church of God was that you've read the Bible from cover to cover. I could have read that Bible from cover to cover, and I didn't learn one thing. One of my favorite books... Ever, I read it when I was in the Navy, was Lonesome Dove. I love that book. I remember titles and tattles of it, but it didn't drive my life. I didn't go out and buy, a, buy me some longhorn cattle, change my name to Gus, jump on a horse, and, and get pigs that like to eat rattlesnakes. See, that's some of the stuff I read from the book. I didn't do that. I read a Western, and I thought it was cool, and I closed the book. Some people say, oh, this is God's Word. Oh, that's cool. Oh, look, he parted the Red Sea. No, let's look and break this stuff down. Let's start thinking the who, what, where, when, and hows. You know, like you, you go into a study, one of the best things, if you read the letters, Paul's letter, before you ever read one, Let's take Ephesians. Go read the history of Ephesus. Go read, don't open the book unless this one has the histories of everywhere. And, and you see how big it is. This is a true study Bible. But the whole thing, go read about it. Go read about it and understand the history of the time and what was going on. And then you'll understand what Paul was writing to. There's more than just opening this book. Yes, I can tell you tonight what I have here. Only thing I'm reading off of seven pages of notes is the verses. He has dropped more stuff in me tonight than he has in a long time. And I thank him for it. And it's all good. And the whole thing is we're taking these verses, we're breaking them down, and he's revealing as I prayed he would. It should be your prayer every time you, and this is, I know this is not a Bible, how to study your Bible class, but it's so important, so, so important. When you go into God's word, don't expect, and understand one of my other little things. Especially in the New Testament, when you're reading the letters, take those numbers and throw them out the window. Take, and also the Gospels, because I'm sorry, there's some stories in there, and there's some things about Jesus that is one continuous story, and they break them into three verses. And our mentality is it's three separate things every time it gets broken, not three verses, three chapters. And when you see a new chapter, it's something different happening. And no, it's not. He's still continuing right where he was. But they were put in for our sake. 
And, and some people take them a little bit too literal. Those letters were letters. I wish there would be a Bible, honestly. I, 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 there may be one out there. I would love to get a Bible that is taken every, especially the, the New Testament, and has taken out the chapters and verses. That way I can read it as it was written. And watch. Make your paragraphs. I know he wrote in paragraphs. I know he was writing proper letters. I want to be able to read his letter to Ephesus. I want to be able to read Colossians 1 and 2 without the 1 and, you know, understand it was Colossians 1 and read the whole letter because he has introductions and everything else. And we read that and we understand, well, this was going on in Philemon at the time. Ooh, that was some nasty stuff going on in Ephesus. You want to get a, get a good... Uh, Reading on how things was, go read the revelations about the seven churches and see what those seven churches, some of those churches are what mentioned. They're actually, they've gotten letters from Paul. And you'll understand what's going on there. And with that, you have an understanding and you can dwell in and he can just speak and speak and speak to you and you'll get it raw and natural. What we're doing tonight, we've gone through what, eight verses. I've done ran my mouth for almost an hour. And most of y'all probably going, I wish he'd shut up. He's going all over the place. Eight verses. And God has revealed more in, in this. I'm happy. I don't care if y'all gotten anything out of it because he's revealed more to me in, in, than he has in a long, long time with Scripture tonight. He's dropping it in me, and I'm like, oh, come on, come on, come on. And that's an exciting thing. And guess what? Each and every one of us should have that in our Bible study. I ain't saying you're going to get golden nuggets running around every single day, but he's going to drop something in you that's going to reveal for you. This is my, I'm going to stop right here, Pastor. We're going to stop right here. We're not going to get all six days. But I'm going to put a challenge out. Put my glasses on so I can see. We went through, verse, we went from verse 3 to verse 13. I challenge everyone out there, I challenge everyone in here. I want you to go home. And I want you to look at these verses. One at a time. Pray that prayer like what I prayed and say, God, Open my ears, open my heart, open my mind to what you want. And let him speak to you. See what he speaks to you about those verses. You may have more nuggets on top. And next week when I'm teaching, we'll come in here and y'all come in here and go, ooh, 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 I won't even speak. I'll let y'all come at me with stuff he's revealed to y'all. And you know what that is? That's Bible study. That's truly sitting at the table. And guess what? You're handing me the peas, and I just passed y'all the mashed potatoes. And the greatest thing of all, he's got a big old ham sitting over here, and he's ready to carve it up for us. We just need to bite into that meat. Amen? But I want you to do more than that. That better not be the only Bible study you have all week. I want you to take time in your Bible study this week. 
And I want you to take your time just like I, I don't care if you do one verse a day and you sit in there, you study that verse for an hour, you go to work on your lunch, you shove your bologna sandwich in your mouth while reading that same verse. You go on the way home, you put on James Earl Jones reading the Bible and you just put it on repeat, that same verse. You let that verse speak to you and let it speak to you. He may speak to you and then you go on to two, three, four, and five. You might get through five today. You might actually get a full chapter, but let him take your time when this is not gone with the wind. This is your instruction booklet. And then I know we get instructions for a brand new cabinet that we bought at Walmart and we're going to look and we're going to see A, A, B, B, C, C and we're going to look at it. We ain't going to read it. We're going to, that's, unfortunately there's no pictures, folks. You got to read it. And we're going to go, wow, and we're going to throw it down and we're going to say, oh, I think I see what, how to put it together. No, your instructions is in here. You need to read them. Let God speak to you through it. Amen? Amen. I've enjoyed tonight. I've really enjoyed tonight. I hope I ain't rambled too much. I hope everybody out there has enjoyed it. Next week, if the pastor will let me and he doesn't throw me out to church, uh, no, I, don't, I know he won't do that, but... Yeah. We'll continue on with this, and we'll finish out Genesis 1. Um, I'm not going to go all the way through Genesis. I want to do this because this is the, very, the chapter. This chapter is the first message of the Bible. And you see it's basically laying the whole Bible out, even though it's creation. 